Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I was 32 years old, one of the major reasons I got into public service and decided to run for the Charlotte City Council was because I was sick of the violence that was occurring in the neighborhoods of Charlotte, North Carolina. Over 100 people had been murdered, houses were being broken into, people were being assaulted, domestic violence was high, people were being raped, kids were being assaulted. I hate violence, violence against people, violence against property, and especially violence against our institutions of our society, especially our government, government of the people and for the people. I spoke against the violence that was in our Charlotte City Hall just a year ago or two years ago when people jumped on the dais of the Charlotte City Council and stood up and they were so proud of themselves for disturbing and interfering with the Charlotte City Council meeting, I spoke out against that, the radical left. I didn't think there was enough opposition from the media or by our mayor or by other elected officials saying this is wrong in a government building. When protesters in Raleigh tore down statues and attacked and assaulted police officers outside the window of the office which I held for four years, I spoke strongly against that violence. And I criticized our governor, our attorney general, and other elected leaders for not doing the same thing. During the Black Lives Matter protest in Minnesota, in Washington State, in California, And right here in Charlotte, I spoke against the violence. Breaking windows, destroying property, burning cars, attacking our police officers. Did the media speak against that violence? Did many elected officials, including Joe Biden, speak against that violence? Not really. Not in strong terms. It was violence against our structure of government, our society, and individuals. Every week, I talk about the violence at Beatty's Ford Road, where four black lives were assassinated, and we have to find their killers. I did a top five, McCrory top five, about five weeks ago after the election ended and said, 
some things that haven't happened since the election where Donald Trump was defeated. One thing I was proud of, no riots by Republicans. Well, that ended yesterday, and it was disgusting. Violence and assaults against police officers trying to protect government property. Violence trying to get into the halls of our government of the United States of America. Gunfire, people being killed. There's no excuse for it. And I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to speak against that violence and say there's no excuse. No matter how mad you are, well, people are angry. Yeah, I've seen anger and domestic violence in Charlotte. There's no excuse for violence against anybody unless it's to defend your family, the property, or the United States of America. And violence against our police? These are Republicans? Are you kidding me? We've got to stand strong and say it's time for a peaceful transition of power. I sent out a tweet yesterday saying the President of the United States, my President, Donald Trump, must demand a peaceful transition of power. Lower the rhetoric. The election is over. It didn't go our way. Just like it didn't go my way in 2016 in a very controversial election. Was I angry? Yes. Was I going to incite violence? Absolutely not. I was going to respect the peaceful transition of power. That's what separates us from other countries. Our Constitution is stronger than any individual. And we as Republicans have to speak up against it. Unlike the Democrats during the past two years. But we must unite and decide, are we going to follow our Constitution? And my answer is yes. And we're going to be peaceful. We're going to be respectful. We will disagree. But in that disagreement, we will be respectful, especially of our flag, our country, and our government. May God bless America. I love this country. I will defend this country, and I will defend our Constitution. Welcome back to the Pat McCrory Show on this Thursday morning. WBT reacting to the news of January 6th and into the early morning hours of January 7th, where uh, about 3.14 this morning, the Congress affirmed the victory of Joe Biden, uh, but not before a day of turbulence at the Capitol building. Well, first of all, as a former elected official, as a mayor and as a governor, I've been verbally assaulted and I've been physically assaulted. As an ex-governor, I was attacked several times, one time verbally, and the next time my car was physically attacked. And I saw that not only assault on me, I saw it as an assault on my family. I saw, still saw it as an assault on the institution of our government. when I was personally assaulted. And I'll tell you, it took a time to recover. And I I did not swing back. I did not verbally respond or physically respond. And to see 
protesters during this past year and now yesterday at the U.S. Capitol go into the chambers of the House of Representatives, which felt like an assault to those individuals, those representatives, that to me is an assault on our government. And then to see police officers defending themselves and having to spray individuals who were attacking them, it's inexcusable. Who in the hell do they think they are carrying an American flag and then assaulting a police officer? And then they sit in the speaker's chair in the offices. I can't imagine that happening. When I was mayor or governor, my gosh, I would have fought back, defended the institution. I would have helped our police officers. And being one of those protesters, I think a lot of those protesters didn't plan to get violent, but the minute they spoke and crossed the line, along with what seemed to be a coordinated attack, they crossed the line with me, whether they were just following the mob. When you follow the mob, you become part of the mob. I saw this during protests in Charlotte, where people rightfully protested for Black Lives Matter. But then they didn't stop other people from breaking the windows. They didn't defend the police. And the exact same thing happened yesterday in Washington, D.C. People who had a right to protest did not protest the violence and the breaking of laws of taking over a hallowed institutional building. It's inexcusable. And so this was your... So I sent out a, I sent out a Twitter message right. last night. Mm-hmm. And what did I say? Uh, on social media, also Facebook and Twitter, you, you said mob rule and violence was unacceptable in our cities across the country this past year, and it is even more unacceptable today in our nation's capital. Repeat that one more time. Mob rule and violence was unacceptable in our cities across the country this past year, and it is even more unacceptable today in our nation's capital. We must support peaceful transition of power together. I did it as a governor, and our president must do the same. God bless the USA. And I meant more than anything the part about God bless the USA. Because the USA is special. It is unique. The founders came together. (laughs) Very strong disagreement between the states and the role of federal government. Very similar to the debate that we had last night in a peaceful way on the floor of the House of Representatives and the Senate. Peaceful debate, legitimate debate between what's the state's roles in our election and what the federal role is in our election. By the way, the Democrats and Republicans kind of reversed their roles in a hypocritical way, but that is another point. Got a few reactions on that post. Yeah, so I posted that. I had no idea what type of reaction we got. We got a huge reaction based upon that post, and almost all of it was negative. Over 3,000, uh, over 2,000 reactions, nearly 2,000 comments, uh, over 100 shares. Uh, this 46,000 people, uh, you know, seeing this and, and, and uh, reacting to it. So this, we've seen a lot of your social media messages. This one is uh, up there as far as... Well, to as... be fair, let me read some of the responses. Do you have some of the responses that I got from some of you who yep. may uh, believe they uh, disagreed with what I said about the violence... And again, what's ironic, I criticized the violence in the past in Raleigh and Greensboro and Charlotte. 
against statues, against buildings, against people. My gosh, we can't be hypocritical, but some people disagree with me. What'd they say? I'll read one here. I have many more, and we can get to those in our next segment. But the first one here says, I respect you, Mr. McCrory, but you're wrong. We were cheated. It's your fault you conceded. You should have fought. You were weak. You were wrong then. I hope Trump calls martial law. We do not want a Biden in the White House. I so strongly disagree with you. I was weak. No, I went through the process of a recount according to the law. I spent over a quarter of a million dollars hiring lawyers to look for fraud. And at the conclusion, I couldn't prove it. Do I think something went wrong? I'm still suspicious, but I can't prove it. You've got to go through the peaceful transition of power. Whether you like it or not, that's the strength of our country. That is life. We'll read more of your responses where you strongly disagree with me. Over a thousand people wrote responses disagreeing with my three-sentence tweet Mm -hmm. talking about how violence against people, property, and institutions are wrong. And never too early to remind you, you can call as well, 704-374-3800. I have a feeling it's going to be... An interesting big finish today in light of events yesterday and ongoing. More to come on the being Pat- violent. Being violent is not being strong. Yeah, I've I've watched some. Uh, I've gone without with the police to domestic violence situations where I've seen kids pull out their gun and say, "Oh yeah," and then shoot the other person because they have a disagreement. That's not being strong. That's being weak. Welcome back to the Pat McCrory Show on this Thursday morning. If you were not with us last segment, I read the social media message from the governor last night on both Facebook and Twitter that goes like this in reaction to the events of yesterday. Mob rule and violence was unacceptable in our cities across the country this past year, and it is even more unacceptable today in our nation's capital. We must support peaceful transition of power together. I did it as governor, and our president must do the same. God bless the USA. So I sent that uh, tweet out and put it both on uh, Facebook and my Twitter account, Mm -hmm. and I got thousands of responses, almost all negative. By the way, we are taping this show, videotaping this show. We'll put the entire first hour of the show on my Facebook page. And you can listen to all two hours of the show on WBT.com. But if you want to pull up Pat McCrory Facebook page and read all the negative comments directed toward me because of my three-sentence declaration that I'm against violence, especially directed toward individuals, police, our institutions, property. I don't. I believe in peaceful assembly. That's what our Constitution says, peaceful assembly. I said the same thing to the Black Lives Matter people. Peaceful assembly is allowed, not breaking the law, not assaulting our police, not destroying property. And the minute they crossed the line of the police barricades, they broke the law. They went beyond peaceful protests. It was a peaceful protest in front of the White House, the march down to the Capitol building, peaceful protest, a large protest. I kind of like seeing Republicans protest, but I don't like to see Republicans 
emulate liberal who believe that violence should go along with protest. It's not justifiable. Reaction to uh, your message. We've got lots of them. I'll read some more here. Oh, thanks. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Here's one. How can you support a peaceful transition of power when the election was scandalous? Why must any president do as you're saying under the given circumstances? In other words, give up and into the very ones that stole and are determined to destroy our constitutional republic, says William. If you want to talk about revolution, you can count me out. There have been some controversial elections before in the past. LBJ, John F. Kennedy, Al Gore, and George Bush. Talk about controversial. We had peaceful transition. Would Ronald Reagan have done this? I don't think so. Ronald Reagan was a role model for me as someone who converted to the Republican Party because of Ronald Reagan. He was right on the issues, and he had a personality which actually had a sense of humor about it, too, and self-deprecation. You can count me out of any revolution. I will not stop talking about the issues and the policies, which, by the way, Donald Trump is right on 99% of the policies. The only thing I know that I think he's wrong on is the deficit spending. I think the Republicans have lost their way on deficit spending. Shoot me if I said that. No, I don't, I don't want you to shoot me. But we're spending money of future generations, and it's wrong. But we're right on foreign policy, on trade, on immigration, on tax policy. On public safety, Donald Trump is right on all those issues. And I'm glad that he was right on all those issues, and I supported him on all those issues. But I do not support violence, whether it be done by the left or the right. Okay, do you want to read another? Bo's going, let me read another that's critical against you. <laughs> Bo, Bo, Bo's liking this. I'm trying to Bo, find get a favorable the, one. Get the glee. You're, you won't find a favorable one. It's like one. a needle in a haystack. I mean. Teresa says, so why are you telling us we need to accept? She says, so, so are you telling us we need to accept communism? The violence that was done was done by Antifa pretending to be Trump supporters, and there is proof of that. You conceded to Cooper after the voting was rigged in his favor. You should not have done that. Yeah. I did concede because I went through a recount following the law. I lost the recount. I lost the recount. I do not know what happened in Durham. Was I supposed to sit in the mansion and have them drag me out? I'm not, I'm not going to do that. What else did she say? That was the end of that message. Oh, do you want to read another one? Get the sure. smile off your face. Sure. Robin, Robin says, FYI, peaceful transfer of power occurs following a fair and honest election. <sighs> My parents used to say, life is not fair. Life is not fair. Sometimes you got to move on. You know, I've lost my job before, and it wasn't fair. Both political jobs and other jobs, it wasn't fair. What you try to do is re-enter the system and change the system from within, but following the confines of our Constitution. If you don't want to do that, go move to a country that 
respects violence. I don't. I don't respect violence in any way or form unless it's approved by the constitutional powers to defend our country. We have representative democracy. We're a republic. Uh, do you want to read another one? I know you want to read one more. You're kind of getting a kick out of this. Actually, the next one's so long, I don't have time. <laughs> but the show's not over, so I have more segments. We can come back to this. I've got I've got material in front of me. Well, we welcome your feedback at uh, 704-374-3800. This might be my last show. This I don't know if we're losing our listeners. <laughs> I didn't like the way the election was held. I didn't like what the state legislators did. I didn't like the secret agreements. They were wrong. I don't think the media covered it. That was true with my administration. I think that's true with the Trump administration. I think we should have started working on the voting laws the day Donald Trump entered office, not the week before the election. I think we made a huge mistake there. I just got a... uh, a note from a John Lennon expert. <laughs> I got that one, too. <laughs> will, will you read the note from the John oh, Lennon expert? He says, this could be my last show because I misrepresented John Lennon and the lyrics of uh, Revolution. It says, the estate of John Lennon called. Yes. Is that right, Jeff? Yes. Yep. Uh, accurate quote is... If you talk about destruction, you can count me out. And what did I say? If you could talk about, what did I say in my quote? I, I, I don't know. I wasn't. So the quote by John Lennon and the <laughs> Beatles was, if you talk about destruction, you can count me out. And that's where I agree with the John Lennon. And yesterday we saw destruction. During Black Lives Matter's protests, we saw destruction. Destruction of lives, destruction of property, destruction and attacks against our governmental institutions. It's wrong. No matter how angry we are, that's wrong. And you know what's ironic? The media defends certain types of destruction. If they agree with the protest, they will go, well, that's okay. They're allowed to express their feelings, even though it might cause some destruction or have to tear down some statues. No, you don't. This is the hypocrisy of the liberal media. And you see, a lot of you are upset at me because I'm, ex- I'm being consistent in my communications. I-, I was critical of the left when they destroyed things. In fact, I praise the right. The right rarely destroys things, especially just good conservative Republicans. They protest, but they don't believe in destruction, and they surely don't attack police until yesterday. However, there are some notes going out right now in which are saying the following. Get the smile off your face, Bo. Rhonda says, Pat McCrory. Rhonda says, thank you, Rhonda. Pat McCrory, you sound like you're blaming President Trump for the violence today. Are you? If so, you are wrong. He quickly condemned it and told them to go home. They say police opened the doors to let them in. I'm blaming the people who did the violence for the violence. I've always been consistent with that. I don't believe in victimhood where people who are violent get to blame someone because someone said something that they inferred in a speech. I'm sorry, I'm not going to play that game either on the left or the right. You know, I heard it on a record. I heard it on the radio. Therefore, I have an excuse. On a a John Lennon record? 
probably some rap music I was listening to. You know, by the way, there is rap music out there. I remember when my car was stolen when I was mayor, the rap tape that the people stole my car in was kill the mother. Kill the mother. Talking about wanting to kill our policemen. Well, if someone hears that record and then goes kills a policeman, do you arrest the rap artist? No. You arrest the person who did the killing. And the people who attacked the Capitol last night were wrong. The people who marched toward the Capitol were right. But just like the Black Lives Matter protests, there are about 10 to 20 percent of those who were causing the destruction. But I didn't see any of the peaceful protesters tell the violent protesters to stop. And I didn't see that yesterday either. And frankly, I believe there were some professional violent protesters in there. I, I, I frankly think there are some people who infiltrate protest on both the left and the right who cause this destruction and then idiots follow them and go, well, this is pretty cool, man. And because I recognize Antifa type of Violence. It was like, in fact, the police chief, Rodney Pete, who used to be, uh, was on the news last night. Rodney Pete, our former police chief, he said. You mean Rodney Monroe? I'm sorry, Rodney yeah. Monroe. Rodney Pete was Rodney the Pete former was a quarterback, quarterback yeah. for Panthers. <laughs> right. <laughs> Rodney Monroe now, used now, to Now, Rodney work. Monroe was a basketball player for NC State, too. True. Different okay. guy. Rodney Monroe, our former police chief, used to be deputy police chief of the Capitol. Mm -hmm. And he said it looked like a professional job where it was choreographed on which windows they'd break through. They knew the doors. There were some professionals who had, who I think infiltrated this march from the right or left. I don't know. But there were friends of, there were people who protest and support Trump who followed them. And that's inexcusable. That's where they should have said, no, we're going too far. Stop. And I said the same thing about Black Lives Matter protesters who didn't ask the people throwing the bricks to stop it, speak out against it. And that's what the Trump supporters who, who should say right now, who came to a peaceful protest, had a rightful message to protest. But they should speak out against the violence of those who infiltrated the protest and and against those protesters who then followed that violence and crossed the lines and hit our police officers, attacked our police officers, and apparently one police officer or agent had to fire back and kill a woman. And frankly, if she in fact was disobeying the rules and the instructions of the police officer and the police officer felt physical um Potential physical harm either against him or the elected officials or staff behind him or her, he should have shot. I said the same thing during the Black Lives Matter protest. You got to obey the authorities. Whether it's your teacher or police officer, your mayor or governor, even when you disagree. And after disagreeing, then you take it to the authorities if they were wrong. So, the protection was terrible at the Capitol building last night. It's ironic. The left is going, the left is now saying, well, that's, a, it's amazing. The left is now saying, well, isn't that ironic? There weren't National Guard there. I just think they were ill-prepared. It was inexcusable. But I'm, I'm not blaming the security. I'm blaming the people who breached the security. 
It's no one's fault but the people who incited the violence, who did the violence. That's whose fault this is. Let's don't play the victim card. More to come on the Pat McCrory Show, hour number two, Nick. One day they'll tell a story, and some will say it was just a fairy tale. Everything you said is true. Absolutely true. 14 years as Charlotte Mayor. Always given, never taken. But you're having fun. I know I'm, you are. I'm having a good time with Bo Thompson. Somewhere yes. between the right and the left, there's the middle. Four years as NC Governor. This is the best of America. God bless y'all. Behind the scenes conversations. You can't handle the truth. No talking points. Hey, Pat, it's Donald, and I just want to tell you to keep up the good work. We're proud of you. Perspective you won't find anywhere else. Don't put your stupid hat on. WBT presents. It's time for a Carolina comeback. The Pat McCrory Show with Bo Thompson. I always go right. It's time we stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going on. So the last uh, 48 hours in American politics has been extremely discouraging. First of all, we lost a Senate, two Senate races, apparently that we should have never lost because the Democrats had the worst candidates that you can imagine. Yeah, the Ossoff win became just a... 33-year-old kid who's really never held a job. He's a radical leftist, worked for a congressman in about the entry-level job on a staff, which means you get coffee for the congressperson, and now that individual's a U.S. senator. We should have never lost that. And then we elect a radical left-wing minister who beat a good guy, Purdue, a very popular former governor and uh, now senator. Ossoff beat Purdue, and then uh, the, the minister, Raphael Warnock, Oh, beat, Raphael beat, got more votes than... Beat Leffler. Leffler. I mean, us losing the Senate, I was still recovering from that when the last night violence broke out. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, yesterday at the beginning of the show, I talked about four or five political divisions that are dividing this country, and one of them is socialism versus capitalism. And right now we have a huge number of our, the majority of Democrats are agreeing with very, very socialist policies. And they're, they're going to open our borders up, too. We might as well get rid of immigration at Charlotte Douglas International Airport because why not just let people walk through the barriers based upon how these uh, Democrats ran. And, and we've got to, as Republicans, we've got to start talking about the policies again. It's not the personality. In fact, I've gotten several notes. We lost an election because of personality, not where we stand on the issues. There are going to be a lot of people who go, we need to reinvent the Republican Party and change where we stand on issues. In fact, we've had several callers. Remember the guy who called in yesterday, mm-hmm. man, we got to legalize this and do that. Well, now, you, we're right on the policies. You mentioned the personality, uh, the personality of Trump, uh, to be exact. And, and so yesterday afternoon, Vice, uh, Vice President Biden, President-elect Biden now, uh, he held a short news conference or a, a speech, and he said, among other things, he implored President Trump to go go national and 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 tell these people to go home. Uh, President Trump then followed suit, not with a, uh, a live appearance, but he did. Well, release... by the way, uh, Biden was reading a teleprompter. Well, you no, know, it'd be it'd be nice for one time for Biden to speak from the gut, but he is so tied to a teleprompter, even more than Obama. 
And, and he was in Delaware, and and, and he right. you're, you're, so, but he did say he implored President Trump to say something to these right. protesters. So President Trump's response was to release this video, uh, and here's the audio. I know you're pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election. But we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. I so agree. go home. Stop, stop. I agree with him that we have to have peace. He's allowed to express himself about a fraudulent election. I don't think his, his, you know, that was taken off of Twitter and taken off of Facebook, which I think is inappropriate. I think that is censorship. He's got to prove the fraudulent election. I frankly think we opened up our election laws in many states for potential fraud, especially for ballot harvesting which the media and even our Republicans aren't bringing up or educating the public on, aren't bringing up to the Democrats right now. If I were a reporter and I was asking Joe Biden a question, I'd say, Joe Biden, will you fight against any law that permits ballot harvesting? And you'll watch him stumble. You know, the same ballot harvesting that we canceled election in North Carolina for. Because Nancy Pelosi helped make it legal in California. But that's where we need to focus our message on those things that really do sway an election. And ballot harvesting, getting rid of the secret ballot, is the most dangerous thing in our voting process. And I think the Republicans, including the Trump lawyers, have done a lousy job in explaining that. They suspended President Trump's social media accounts, including Twitter, for at least 12 hours. Which is wrong. Who, who, who do they think they are? I, I, I believe in freedom of speech. Freedom of speech versus the PC police. I'm going with freedom of speech, even with speech I disagree with, speech I that may be wrong, may be right. Who are the judges in that censorship? We don't know the judges at Twitter or Facebook. Let the American people be the judge. He did release a statement this morning. President Trump did. I'll read it to you real quick here. It says, quote, even though I totally disagree with the outcome of the election and the facts bear me out, nevertheless, there will be an orderly transition on January 20th. I have always said we would continue our fight to ensure that only legal votes were counted. While this represents the end of the greatest first term in presidential history, it's only the beginning of our fight to make America great again, unquote. Well, talking about the peaceful transition is needed. And I, I, I really hope uh, Melania and, and uh, our president greet the Bidens. I'm not a Joe Biden fan. This is going to hurt. This is hurting. But, you know, Melania, by the way, who I don't think gets the credit. I want to talk to all my liberal listeners. Melania Trump has been treated like just terrible during this administration. She's a classy individual. And... Uh, I wonder what she's saying behind the scenes. But Charlotte's own, or South Carolina's own, Mick Mulvaney, who we've had on this show many times, mm-hmm. former chief of staff for President Trump and now some 
He was doing something in Ireland or something. I never understood that. Special envoy to Ireland. Well, past tense now. Yeah, I, I in fact, I had dinner with him at the Great French Corner where my the owner, one of my great friends, passed away recently. I, uh, just kills me. Uh, but... But Mick Mulvaney resigned. He did, and I have the audio of the actual announcement on CNBC. Well, why don't we we'll, uh, play we'll that in just a few? We Mick will. Mulvaney uh, lives right outside of Charlotte, right next to Firethorn neighborhood, right across the border in South Carolina, where he was a U.S. congressman, and he quit the administration yesterday. So we got to hear from uh, Charlotte. Welcome back to the Pat McCrory Show, nine twenty-three on this Thursday morning. Lots of uh, breaking news this morning. Uh, the, the latest news to tell you about within the last hour, Mick Mulvaney resigning from the Trump administration. Former U.S. congressman from uh, Rock Hill area, South Carolina, represented Rock Hill. Huge group of our listeners in Rock Hill, South Carolina. It's interesting. Yesterday, two major South Carolina politicians made major announcements. One, Mick Mulvaney who used to not only be a U.S. congressman, but left that job to be President Trump's chief of staff. Mm-hmm. And then next one day he was out the door and was the liaison for the special envoy to Northern Ireland, which I never understood. Well, it's actually when you listen to this description, uh, there's not much to it so right now. So he came out with an announcement uh, yesterday. He was on uh, CNBC actually earlier this morning, hmm. and uh, they asked him about his status within the Trump administration. Here's what he said. You know, I, I, again, I talked about it last night with my family. I called Pompeo. I'm a special envoy to Northern Ireland, and uh, it's 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 a small job. It's a part time gig, but it's it's all I've got in these in the administration. I called Mike. Pompeo last night left him a note, let him tell him that I'd be resigning from that. I just, I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't stay. It's a, it's a nothing thing. It doesn't affect the outcome. It doesn't affect the transition. But it's, it's what I've got, right? And it's a position I really enjoy doing. But you can't do it. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see more of my, uh, my friends um, resign over the course of the next uh, 24 to 4 hours. It'd be completely understandable uh, if they did. If those of those who, who choose to stay, and I have talked to a couple of them, are choosing to stay because they are concerned that the president might put someone in to replace them that could make things even worse. So uh, I, I don't, I'm not condemning those who, who, uh, who choose not to resign. I understand that. Uh, but I can't stay here. I, I, not after yesterday. You can't look at that yesterday and think I want to be a part of that uh, in any way, shape, or form. I think there's some real heroes yesterday. Uh, Mike Pence um, really proved himself yesterday. Uh, to, 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 that was a historic thing that he did to, to, to stand up for the Constitution. But Robert O'Brien backing the president. I don't think folks understand how hard it is for Robert to do that, to back the vice president yesterday uh, at a time when I'm sure the vice president was not very popular uh, inside the Oval Office. Stephanie Grisham, uh, I thought her, her, her symbolic gesture yesterday was, was important. And certainly the Capitol Police are our heroes from yesterday. But there's, uh, uh, there's a lot of folks, I think, today who are doing McConnell speech, a pretty heartfelt speech, I thought, yesterday, too. Wow. That was on CNBC uh, so, a while ago. Wow. This is the former chief of staff from South Carolina, conservative Republican. And also the budget director, we should, we should mention. <laughs> yeah. I had lunch with him many times. You you actually know him very well. Mm, he's been on uh, my early show uh, he, a he lot. Had, he'd come to Charlotte, his last visit to Charlotte, not long before he was kind of kicked out as chief of staff, and that's where Mark Meadows took his place. Uh, we, we literally had lunch together at the uh, – there was an event at CPCC, which I went to, and, mm-hmm. and then uh, Mick and I had uh, lunch, a late lunch at the uh, French Quarter, one of my favorite great restaurants. Uh, 
and the owner of the French Quarter died shortly thereafter, and he was a great friend of both me and Mick. And, um, but he, first of all, he, he had a nothing job. I never did understand that transfer to a job. I didn't know it was part-time. Said he liked it. He sounded just like, it well, wasn't... I'd like a gig, too, in Ireland for a little bit, being a golfer. Well, well now, the job, golfer. now the job is open. The job is open. <laughs> I get it for another week and go take a trip. Another job that I'll take um, next to general manager of the Panthers. Yeah. I think that's an open opening Well, you've right proven now. you're a multitasker. And quarterback for the Panthers. Yes. Um, but... To have the chief of staff resign. You know, one person we haven't heard from is Mark Meadows, another Carolina's connection. I'm wondering what Mark Meadows' role was behind the scenes on on uh, the president's speech, his response, the protesters, when the president decided to respond to the protesters, the video. We're not. Mark Meadows is on TV a lot. And we're not seeing him at all. Last time I heard his voice was at the beginning of that phone call over the weekend. Trump and you know, the Georgia. So I don't know if he and the president are getting along or they're getting along great. But Mark Meadows has been taken off the TV set. And I know Mark. He liked TV. In fact, a lot of people assumed he might be a uh, maybe a TV commentator somewhere down the road with a Fox or Newsmax or something. But... He, he has disappeared, and I just had a good friend of mine who worked for me in my administration. She was working for Melania Trump, and she just sent me a note uh, late last night and said she's now in Raleigh. Now, I don't know if that was due to yesterday. I think that was beforehand, but, you know, all of them anticipate losing their jobs on January 20th, will lose their job on t- January 20th, and they're out looking for other jobs right now. So by the time the president is unpacking, we're packing up, you know, you just you hope the White House is uh, capable of handling an emergency with all these people leaving at this point in time. Some leaving because it's time to leave and they might have other job opportunities, which I think is inappropriate. I think they ought to stick it out. But if they left because they just disagree so much with the decisions being made, they have that right, too. Well, Mulvaney just said in that clip that, that some people are staying because they're afraid of who they might get replaced with if they leave. Who would come in and take a job with a week and a half I'm, to go? I'm just saying what he said a few minutes ago. I was kind of. I mean, this is this is big news for Carolina's own Mick Mulvaney. I'd, I'd love to hear what y'all have to say about Mick. Um, and very popular congressman. Mm-hmm. You know, took a big risk leaving a safe seat in Congress to uh, head go to Washington. Over, head, head to Washington and be budget director. A thankless job. Budget director, chief of staff, and now the Northern Ireland envoy. I mean, he's been he's done many things in this administration. Hmm. Nine twenty nine on WBT seven zero four three seven four thirty eight hundreds. The big finish. I'm sure we have some people with opinions today. Lose? I don't lose. I win. I win. I'm a lawyer. That's my job. That's what I do. Well, Bill Graham knows there's a lot more we can do together. I can't do it. You can't do it alone. But together, we can do it. This segment of the Pat McCrory Show, presented by the Law Offices of Wallace and Graham. Oh, man, I was just, just had a little emotional hit to me because as we were talking about our friend Mick Mulvaney, the last time I was with Mick was when we ate at the French Quarter at uh, 
right there on uh, Church Street, and we had our friend Panos, who was Panos, who was just a great. His family, his sons, his wife. My prayers are with them. Uh, we lost him a couple months ago, and I'm so glad I had that lunch with Mick. And Mick was really God to see the interaction between Mick Mulvaney and Panos and his family, and the great chicken that we had. Ah, just brings back great memories. And uh, I, I just remember too how hard Mick Mulvaney was working. I mean, just un- incredible hours that he was putting on for the president. So to see this happen in the last 24 hours, I know is is extremely tough right now. Uh, talking about tough, another tough person is Bill Graham. Uh, Bill, welcome back to the show. You're you're a very important part of our show, and um, what what from the legal aspects? You you saw the attack on the Capitol building last night. Um, yep. What's your impression? Well, good morning. Um, you know, so I went through the regular string of emotions. It uh, it was, um, di- you know, starts off with disbelief, um, and then you know, you, then you get mad, then you get, uh, then, then you want somebody to do something, and then you know, sad that to see the, the aftermath of it, and. You know, um, our our prayers go out to the lady who passed away, and I, and I understand from reports that had have been confirmed that there were, you know, potentially others that were injured, um, and and maybe died. Yeah, um, you know, back in uh, Reagan's first term, I worked up there in 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 the Senate side um, in uh, in the Russell Building, and and I went over to the Senate floor on many many occasions uh, on behalf of uh, Senator Goldwater and others. And uh, to see people roaming around the Senate floor um, and and the halls and and mm-hmm. using chemical agents and and it's just absolutely unacceptable, uncalled for. That you know we don't do our business this way, ladies and gentlemen. Well, one person you know that Mick Mulvaney, by the way, complimented right. on MSNBC, I believe. Uh, no, M M CNBC. 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 Yeah. Compliment this morning was our Vice President Mike Pence, who who you've known. I think Mike may have even been to your house before. I'm not sure. But I know you've met Mike Pence many times, and I, of course, knew him as a fellow governor. We got elected the same year. Mike gave a very, our Vice President gave a very effective speech while sitting down in the Senate leadership chair. What did you think of what he had to say about the violence and other things? Well, uh, I, I would just, you know, endorse the, the comments of uh, the vice president and just say, you know, we have a constitutional process that we follow and, and violence is not part of that process. And I, I want to remind all the Republicans that are listening to this show, uh, look, uh, back in the 70s and the 60s, um, if you were a Republican, you couldn't get arrested in this state. And it was only with the rise of Ronald Reagan that folks began to to start to pay attention to the Republican Party in a big way, at least in this state. And then and Jesse I remember Helms being and in, Jim Martin. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. in in Cabarrus County, um, you know, you'd have a meeting of Republicans and you couldn't get them all in a phone booth. Mm-hmm. And you'd still have room left over. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that you, you have to do is you have to work for the vote. You work for the vote by the competition of ideas. 
And those ideas uh, yield into policy decisions. And you push those policies and those ideas to achieve support. And those supports come from the consent of the people. And that's how you win elections. You are not entitled to these offices. These offices belong to all of us. And if you want to win elections, and, and I've lost an election, you've lost an election, you've won, and you, you derive that power from the consent of the people, not violence. You know what's ironic is this violence. And I, and I, I, sorry, sorry, I just want no, to say no, one no, thing. No, go ahead. These offices are not, you are not entitled to these offices. It is not a birthright. You have to earn this. And if you can't earn it the right way, then you're not entitled to it. Because the, the, the entitlement comes from consent. And consent comes from consensus. And, and that's why you win elections. And so it's a battle of ideas, but it's peaceful, not violent. And what's ironic to me is I think Donald Trump and his administration was right on almost every idea and policy, except for deficit spending. I keep repeating yeah. that. Yeah. And, and this violence is allowing the media and others and the Democrats to distract away from policy stances that I think they'll lose on in the future. <laughs> well, we, we've got to get back to the point where we can have a civil conversation and that there's, but they're based in facts. Um, and, you know, we can't all just stay huddled up in our own little bubble and expect to have good civil discourse. Um, we, we have to be able to engage with someone that we disagree with. Everyone's not going to agree. And very often, everyone doesn't agree on almost anything these days. But in order for the, comp uh, the country to do well, survive and be the beacon of freedom that it is for the whole world. We have to get along and be able to move the ball down the field. And that's not happening now because we have poor leadership. Fact. It's a fact. Legal standpoint was kind of tricky. Uh, Mick, Mul uh, Mick Mulvaney talked about the vice president. And mm -hmm. uh, in fact, we're, we might try to get Mick Mulvaney on the show here. Um, but the vice president was put in a unique spot by the president saying the vice president better do the right thing. But this is the one decision, the vice president ceremonial decision, yet last night where the vice president is kind of independent from the president. <laughs> it, it's about the only one I can think of where the vice president is independent from the president. Am I correct or incorrect? No, that's correct. You know, the, the, the letter of the law says that there are to unseal the state results from the electors, and they're to count them. That's all they're supposed to do. So I don't know what it is that, that Senator Cruz thought he was going to do um, in the short time that's remaining and, and do this audit. Uh, I, what were it, they going to audit? I, it made no sense to me because, first of all, you can't do an audit in 10 days, and you yeah. can't come up with a committee in 10 days. Hey, uh, Bill Graham. We appreciate you being part of the show. You mean a lot to us uh, last year and this new year. And, and God bless you and your family. And uh, I think you get it. Coming up, Mick Mulvaney is going to be on live. Next segment. Uh, this segment of the Pat McCrory Show, the one you've been listening to, presented by the law offices of Wallace and Graham. Wallace and Graham Boy. over 35 years representing personal injury clients in North Carolina. Bill Graham, I could feel the passion 
because he loves his country and loves his state. And Bill, thank you very much. So off Bill goes, Mick Mulvaney next. This is continuing coverage on News Talk 1110, 99.3 WPT. Breaking news. And the breaking news this hour on the Pat McCrory Show is that Mick Mulvaney is resigning from the Trump administration. Uh, His current job, or I guess now his former job, special U.S. envoy to Northern Ireland, before that chief of staff, before that budget director, and of course uh, we can roll all the way back to congressman from South Carolina. He is on the WBT hotline right now. Mick, welcome. Glad to have you here. I know it's been a tough uh, 48 hours for you. So why are you resigning? Well, it's been a tougher, you know, 24 hours for the country, right? Because um, mm-hmm. you just can't be associated with this, Pat. You can't stay. And I know it's, you know, I only had two weeks left anyway. I get that because um, all, all the diplomats are expected to resign on January 20th anyway. But it's the one official act that I can take as an individual to say what, what happened yesterday was wrong. It just is. And you cannot be associated with it. My guess is there'll be more resignations today and, and tonight and tomorrow as more folks just look themselves in the mirror and say they can't they can't be associated with this what happened you know the internal workings of the white house what happened during the last 48 hours or three weeks what do you think's happening which is i think some of the cause of doing this you know when yeah. i had a chief of staff my chief of staff who you knew thomas stith you know he, he'd go mccrory <laughs> like he'd almost slap me <laughs> come on mccrory you can't do this yeah, I think I think it changed uh, around election time, and a lot of the folks who were willing to tell him stuff he didn't want to hear or figured out a way to tell him something that he doesn't want to hear. It's hard to do for a president or a governor, but you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those folks are not there anymore, and the folks who are there are just encouraging this. The president always, when I was there, you know, he'd sit, he thinks out loud, and he said, "Oh, yeah. we should be doing X," and then he'd immediately go, "No, that's probably not a good idea." Uh, and we would also be there and say, yeah, Mr. President, that's probably not a good idea. Maybe we should be doing something else. Now I think he says we should do X, and there's people in the room going, oh, yeah, Mr. President, that's great. You should do three times X. You should really go for that. That is a great idea. Um, mm. And, you know, go, go encourage those people to go down to the Capitol to stop this vote tomorrow. That's a great idea. Um, so he brainstorms like out loud. Like I, Bill Lee, my old big, 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 big boss at Duke Energy, would brainstorm out loud, too. I would brainstorm out loud, and I had... I'd have people, some people would take the brainstorm as a literal order. <laughs> yeah, And I was just thing. thinking out loud. Yeah, no, the president thinks out loud. It's how he formulates ideas. He bounces ideas off of people. But when those people there aren't, aren't bouncing, they're simply amplifying, you, you get bad decision-making. What's the role of the family here? Because I noticed Don Jr. and others giving pretty strong speeches that, that because of the cussing had to be taken off TV. Yeah, I, I think, listen, I think that the, the president's political future is, is pretty much over. I think the family's political future is pretty much over as 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 sort of just uh, aggressively supportive of the president. So many people were, including myself. Uh, they can't be associated with this. They won't be associated with this. I can't tell you the number of people who have supported me since my Tea Party run in 2010 who have called me this morning to say that they're done, that, that that's, that's, too, that's too much. They're, they're done with Trump now. Um, that's 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 a seismic change. Stephanie Miller, excuse me, Stephanie Grisham retired yesterday, resigned because the first lady refused to put out a tweet against the, the riots. 
So um, I think the whole family is probably finished. Mick Mulvaney is joining us live on WBT on the Pat McCrory Show right now. Uh, breaking news in the last hour or so, uh, he has resigned from the Trump administration. Uh, Mick, uh, what do you think is going to happen between now and Inauguration Day as it relates to the president? Yeah, probably nothing. Um, I was actually surprised Congress left town. I thought it was, uh, if there was ever going to be a movement to impeach him, it would have been today. But my guess is that you'll hear rumblings of impeachment, rumblings of the 25th Amendment. For the most part, folks are just hoping that things remain quiet between now and the 20th and that things go smoothly. I think the president's tweet last night helps. I think it's too little too late to save his, his legacy. Um, but it helps to sort of calm things down, saying there will be a peaceful transition. And by the way, talk about that legacy for a second. This could have been the president who was known for tremendous economic development, um, uh, tax reform, the lowest unemployment rates for, for blacks, Hispanics, women in history, the, the first president in modern history not to start a war overseas. He could have been remembered for all of that. And he's not. He's going to be remembered as the president who, who encouraged people to go and try and, and, and break our constitutional process. So um, it's, it, it's a real shame, but I, I think the next two weeks will probably be quiet. Of course, I've been wrong about that for the last six weeks. So, Mick, why did you – were you forced out as, as chief of staff? No, uh, not at all. In fact, my relationship with the president remained good. You guys know that I'm good friends with Mark Meadows. Yeah. I was never supposed to be there forever. That's why I kept that acting title. It was going to be six months, um, and then he said, you know, he wanted me to stay another six, and then we were in the middle of impeachment, and I didn't want to leave an impeachment, and he didn't want to leave in the middle of impeachment. So once impeachment was finished, which was early February, it, we knew there was going to be a change, and he actually um, got my input on who should replace me, and I was a, a big fan of Mark Meadows. So, no, that was the relationship was good. I tell people I got asked on television what's it like to get fired by Donald Trump, and I said, no, I don't know, I, I, I got the job I wanted with a Northern Irish gig. Um, I, um, I, I, and, and I got lifetime privileges. I got to help pick my successor, and I got lifetime privileges at Trump properties all around the world to play golf. <laughs> I imagine that's probably gone now, but uh, that, that's not, that's not that too bad a way to get fired. I so, think. Mark Meadows, what do you think he's doing right now? Have you spoke to Mark Meadows, or have you spoke to the president? When's the last time you've spoke to either one of them, and what yeah. was the conversation about, I, if I you can not. say? Yeah, I, 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 I can. I, I've tried not to talk to the president too much because it's sort of there's, a, there's an understanding amongst chiefs mm -hmm. that, that you don't, you're not seeking to sort of displace that influence, right? So Mark is the chief of staff. I'm the former chief of staff. So uh, I, I would talk to Mark. It was rare that I would talk to the president directly. He'd call on social things, but, you know, just are you playing golf this weekend? Did you see the golf tournament, that kind of stuff? Um, but um, I've not talked to Mark in the last 24 hours. He's not responded to my texts. Obviously, he's got a lot going on. I hope that he's in there being a voice of reason and not being one of those people acting as a, as a, as a magnifier or an amplifier to some of these ideas. Um, the president is in dire need of good counsel right now, and Peter Navarro and Lynn Wood and Rudy Giuliani are not going to be the people who provide it. Mick Mulvaney is live with us on WBT, breaking news. He is resigning from the Trump administration. Uh, Mick, you've served in three different roles in the Trump administration. You may be the only person who served in that many different roles. Uh, a lot of people are one and done. Uh, so when you look back at your entire uh, time there, what will you look back on favorably, favorably and not so much? Well, actually, I think it was four if you had the CFPB. Oh, that's um, true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. um, listen, I'm extraordinarily proud of, of my government. So what, what, answer the second part first. What am, I, what am I least proud of? What happened yesterday? 
uh, and the fact that uh, in any way that my name would be associated at all with what happened yesterday, that's, that's just a blemish um, that I'll have to live with for the rest of my life. Listen, I had a real tough conversation with my kids last night as to what this means and how awful this was yesterday, and, and historically and constitutionally how bad this is. But I'm extraordinarily proud of my government service going all the way back to Congress. Um, I thought we did a great job on foreign policy and not getting involved overseas. We improved our relationships with so many different countries. We, we, we reestablished, I think, ourselves vis-a-vis China and aren't letting them push us around anymore. I think foreign policy was a tremendous success. Economically, you couldn't do any better, I don't think, that we did. Yeah. So many people were working. So many people were making more money. The country was prosperous, and that's the types of things hey, you're, you're proud of. Mick, in the remaining 30 seconds, why did we not have lawyers that knew election law around the president? Like, I mean, Rudy, I love Rudy Giuliani. knew him as mayor very well. He's not an election law lawyer. They had Mark Elias. <laughs> yeah. A lot of these things is- could have been handled three or four years ago. Yeah, I think the answer in, the, in 30 seconds is that the team treated uh, the election challenge as a PR political campaign instead of a legal campaign, and that was a, mm. a fundamental error. Any remaining words to Panos, our good friend and his family at French Quarter? I've got to end with him because he's the ultimate immigrant coming to America and a successful entrepreneur. Our last lunch together was at the French Quarter. I want to end talking a good thing about Panos and his family. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I still think of them um, every single day, and I know that sounds trite, but such good people. And for those of us who are listening that had never been down to the French Quarter, go down because his, his, his wife and his kids continue mm. that tradition at the French Quarter at Ladd Arcade. Great Americans, good people, the type of people you're proud to serve when you go into government service. Well, you're a great American, too, and I just want to thank you for your public service. I know you put a lot into it, and I know this has been a tough decision, and God bless you and your family, too. Thanks, Pat. I'll talk to you soon. Mick Mulvaney, live on WBT. He is the breaking news, and we will go to the news. The Pat McCrory Show returns tomorrow.